You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, everybody. My name is DK Azanekwe, as Steve said, and I am from the Greater Long Beach Church. Me and my wife, Marissa, we help to oversee the teen and campus ministries. We call those the next generation ministries. We help to oversee that in the Greater Long Beach Church. Amen? I'm grateful for the invite, but we all know the truth that I'm here because Brian Craig is on sabbatical, okay? I know I'm second string. Brian, if you're watching this, turn it off. You need to be on sabbatical, okay? I get it. I'm second string. I get called in. Emergency duty. But it's okay. I'm happy to be here, okay? I'm happy to be here. Um, I was the best of the backups, okay? Which means something, right? It could have, could have been the worst of the backups. Um, so today we're going to continue a series that you guys started last week, and it's titled, uh-oh, sorry, I didn't turn this on. Sorry, Devin. Devin told me to turn it on. I didn't do it. Gospel Community. Gospel Community. It is a series where we are going through the book of 1 Corinthians, okay? Last week you guys did chapter 1 and 2. This week... We're going to do chapters 3 and chapter 4, okay? First, I want to go ahead and give a little background into the book of 1 Corinthians, if that's okay with you guys. A little bit of background, okay? So Corinth, actually, you know what, let's just skip that. Okay, you know what, I won't skip it. The title of the lesson is Fools for Christ. Fools for Christ, that'll make sense a little bit later. Let's uh, Let's look at Corinth. Corinth is the big red dot in the middle, as you can see. And Corinth, what it was is it was a port city. So Corinth actually ended up being a great midpoint for for trade happening from the east and trade happening from the west, right? Um, And as you guys know, with with, uh, cities that are are by a body of water, right, they end up a lot of time being very affluent, right? But they also end up attracting all kinds of people. So they end up being pretty diverse in terms of what people come and what people stay there and the whole entire thing, right? Right? Long Beach is that way. This area is that way. That's just kind of how these cities turn up. And so Corinth was was one such city. In fact, uh, it was the biggest center of trade in all of Greece at the time, right? So so that's a little bit of background into Corinth. Now, here's what happened. Paul was there. He started the church with Priscilla and Aquila. They're all there. They're starting the church. It's a great time. They're baptizing people. He stays there for a year and a half. Everything's going well. Because nothing bad happens to a Christian after a year and a half, okay? A year and a half, you're good, right? They take off to go somewhere else, and then everything falls apart, right, when they leave. Because what happens is that the differences in the society meant that everyone started slipping back into some things that they were already believing before. And because the group was very diverse, that that meant that all the different beliefs were very diverse. For instance... I'm going to read from the Standard Bible Encyclopedia. It says, The church had broken into factions and was distracted by by, uh, party cries. Some of its members were living openly immoral lives. Others had quarrels over which they dragged one another into heathen courts. Great differences of opinion had arisen with regard to marriage and the social relations generally, with regard to banquets and the eating of food offered to idols with regard to the behavior of women in assemblies, to the Lord's suppers and the love feasts, and to the use of and value of spiritual gifts, and with regard to the hope of the resurrection. 
In other words, every which way that people can be divided, the church in Corinth had become divided. They were a diverse group with a whole different set of beliefs from each other. And thus, as soon as Paul left town, everybody started picking their sides and picking their factions. And so Paul hears about this. He links up with some of them in Ephesus, and he's like, what? What? I love that church. I was there for a year and a half. Nothing bad happens after a year and a half. What is going on? And so Paul sends them a series of letters, and we're reading the beginning of the first letter. So let's start. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. There we go. It says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? So for Paul, he defines maturity as something different than I think we define maturity. Right here in the church, sometimes we say, oh man, that guy's like, that guy's like 68 years old. He's so mature. Oh, that sister's been around for 38 years. She's so mature. And I think we sometimes tie maturity to just experience, which is often a really good thing to do, right? People who've been around longer are normally more mature, right? However, Paul's like, first of all, he's dealing with a whole bunch of people who are young spiritually. But besides that, he was like, I don't think of maturity like that. Maturity isn't how, how much experience you have. For Paul, maturity is the ability to be in a gospel community and live in unity. Amen. You can't do that, you're not mature in Paul's book. You can be 88, you can be eight. The ability to live in unity in a gospel community is what Paul defines as maturity, Amen. right? So that can be, anybody can be mature in that setting. Anybody can be immature in that setting. And unfortunately for this setting, most were in one faction or another when it came to all the issues going on in the church. Now, fortunately for us, our churches are super unified. Like there's nothing that divides us in the church today. So really we just gotta go to chapter four, right? Because we're good. We have never been divided about anything here in the church, right? This is great. I mean, gosh, I love this place. The truth, though, is that many, many things divide us in the church today, large and small, right? I, got, I looked up a couple things that can divide people, okay? Now, try not to break out into a fist fight in the sanctuary, okay? So we got this. The, the old, this is, a, this is a debate right here, okay? Okay, so if you're, if you're on Chick-fil-A, get on this side of the room. If you're on Raisin, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. But there's a Chick-fil-A versus Raising Cane's debate that just wages throughout the nations, right? Which side are you on? Neither. Neither. Golly. Whoa, I'm hearing Jollibee involved in this. You are wrong. Whatever is right, you are wrong, okay? So, this is just, you know, what chicken do you like, right? So, you know, pe people debate this, though, right? What about this one? 
pie versus cake. What side are you on? Pie versus cake. I like pie. Pie's the right answer. But some of you guys like cake. That's fine, right? I mean, we can agree to disagree. Take your, wait, at, wait till after church for your arguments, okay? Just wait till it's over and then you can get into your debate. And you know, these aren't super consequential, right? You've, you, you, you've probably never went toe-to-toe with someone over these things, but there are more consequential ones, right? There's some more consequential ones, right? Do you like elephants or donkeys? So that's what we're talking, what are you guys talking about? We got elephants or donkeys. Yeah, there's, there's, there's been quite a, bit of a, quite a bit of disunity over the past couple years over this one, right? And so Paul enters this church and he says, somehow you guys have let all this stuff into your walls. And somehow you guys have let it divide you and have you guys sitting on different corners of the room. Now there's one that is more important than all of these. One to which there is only one right answer. One that has been splitting the churches apart for so many years. And it's LeBron or MJ. We gotta talk about this. We gotta gotta do this one right now. We gotta do this one right now. We gotta gotta talk about this. LeBron or MJ. It's the most important one. It's the one that I think Paul would weigh in on today. Right? Because there has to be an answer. But in all seriousness, just like it was in the year, whatever it was, 50, that Paul was, 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 was writing this stuff down, just like it was all the way at the very beginning of the scriptures with Cain and Abel, and just like it is now, there are reasons why we can turn and pit ourselves against one another. And in any healthy group, there's always going to be disagreement, right? Just, it doesn't make sense if there isn't disagreement. That just shows a diverse group of people. But unfortunately, these, these, these disagreements can turn hostile. Yeah. Come on, and, that's what, and that's what Paul's up to here. Let's keep reading in verse 5. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered the seed, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow, who makes things grow, I'm sorry. So here's the deal. Paul leaves, or maybe even towards the tail end of Paul's time, a guy named Apollos comes in and starts preaching the word. And man, Apollos is the man. Like, I picture Apollos like Rhett, right? He just comes in. He's all cool. He starts preaching. People start falling for his, for his words and for what he's saying. And everyone's like, you know, you may follow the Marichis, but we follow the butlers, okay? That's what, that's what we're up to, okay? I, I don't know about you guys, but... <laughs> hey, hey, it is what it is. So... Some of the group, they started to say, well, you know, we, we like Apollos. You see how, how good he is with his words? Have you seen the way he speaks? See, in their society, in the Greek society, they were all about wisdom. Wisdom was one of the highest virtues, right? And so for them, Apollos and the way he spoke and the way he dealt with things lined up more with that, with that virtue of wisdom, And so for them, they were like, man, we just love Apollos. Others were like, 
I'm an, I'm an OG. I love Paul. I'll always be with Paul. That's my guy. Others were like, well, I follow Jesus. Now, it wasn't even like a, a, one of those I follow Jesus where it's like, everybody stop. We should all be following. It was like one of those, I'm better than you. I'm on the Jesus camp thing, right? So even the people who had it right still had it wrong, right? And there was all this looking down on people. There were all this picking sides, so on and so forth. And Paul's like, listen, what, what is Apollos? Who cares about that guy? What does he even say who? He says what? Like, what is Paul? What's a Paul? I don't know. Paul and Apollos, they're servants. Paul and Apollos, they're servants. Nobody ever came to, a, to anything important and said, I wonder what the servants are going to be like. Man, we should all fight over which servant we like better. They're not even the main thing. They're just people. One of them watered. That was cool. One of them planted. But neither of them made it grow. So who cares about Paul? And who cares about Apollos? It's all about Christ. And so frequently, that is kind of where these debates land, is... You guys are getting caught up on the servants. We're getting too caught up on the thing, separate from the thing, separate from the thing, way below the thing. Is, is you're, we're getting caught up with that. And we forget about what this is all about. And so often with these debates, we can forget what it's really about. And Paul's like, look at what your wisdom has gotten you. Full-blown debates over which servant was better than the other servant. And none of us have even decided, wait, wait, who are they serving again? What, what are we supposed to be? Oh, right. Jesus. That guy. Oops. Verse 16. And don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was young, really young, and I was in Sunday school, I was taught that, like, I'm the temple. My body's the temple. I can't get tattoos. Sorry, Marichis. Can't drink alcohol. Can't do this. Can't do that. My body's the temple. Me, 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 and my body. I'm the temple, blah, blah, blah. And I'm here to go one-on-one with all those Sunday school teachers and say, you aren't the temple, we're the temple, right? You together, plural, we are the temple. So a lot of times, because we're in America in 2022, when we read passages, we assume that it was, or we think of it as being written to like one person. But these are always written to large groups of people, right? And so, and we just tend to skew more like individual, but these scriptures are normally communal. And so we are the temple. So what are the ramifications of that? That means that I can't say, well, I don't have to be unified with that person, but it's okay because my temple's intact. Well, that doesn't make any sense, does it? The temple is not intact, right? The temple is all of us. We are all the temple of God. Really, Paul's saying, we're all the temple, and if you mess with the temple, God's coming for you. God will destroy that person is what it actually says. I don't often like the God's coming for you line because I'm like, that is just, wait a second. But it actually literally says God will destroy said person. Why? 
because the temple is what matters. The people of God is what matters. We together are those people. Amen? Amen. So, what does that mean? What does that mean? See, it's kind of funny because for me, I was, when I was in the campus ministry over in Long Beach, I was in the campus ministry with Andrew Desario, my friend, right? We were in there together. But this is after Andrew left. After Andrew, Andrew was kind of like Paul in that when he left, everything fell apart, okay? So, <laughs> so, then, so then Andrew left, and I'm by myself, and, and I just, this is, this, let me tell you what actually happened, okay? I don't like getting into the story too much, but I'm here, right? And no one's going to tell anybody what happened off this stage, right? So... I'm sitting there, and I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm here. I'm doing really well in the campus ministry. I should be hired by the church to be an intern. And they were like, yeah, that should totally happen. That's great. And you know what happened? They picked Amir Burton instead of me. Right? Can you believe it? Amir, right? So they picked Amir Burton instead of me, and I'm just mad. And so I spend the whole next year or so just mad all the time. Just mad. Just sitting there, telling everybody how lame the church was, telling everybody how, how the church didn't keep their promises, blah, blah, blah. Matter of fact, one time this is what happened. We were sitting in a leader's meeting, okay? Now, don't try this at home, okay? We're sitting in a leader's meeting, and the campus minister guy was like, hey, so um, we need someone to lead a song. DK, why don't you go ahead and lead a song? And I was like, no, I'm going to lead a song. And it was awkward just like that. It was just, just like that. Everybody, there, was like one, one, there was one person who was like, <laughs> oh, no. And I'm like, no, DK, lead that song. And I was like, I'm not doing it. I don't want to. DK, lead the song. Come on, we're all here. You didn't ask me beforehand. I'm not leading this song. I don't care. I'm not doing it. And we just stood there staring at each other like, as if we wanted to kill each other, just looking at each other like, what do you get? And so somebody came in like, oh, don't worry, I'll lead the song. Ha, 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 don't worry, I got it. And someone else led the song, and I just sat there like, I am angry, I'm mad, I don't like how I was treated, and, and I'm taking everybody down with me. That's how this is going to go. I became the side campus minister, the one who, lead, who led everybody astray, right? That was this guy, right? Bad job by me. Don't try that at home like I said, Okay. If only I had read 1 Corinthians 3 at that time. That anybody who destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. Right? Anybody who destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. And yet sometimes in those moments, you feel so right about the thing you believe that you're willing to go to blows with anybody. Yeah. You're just like, nobody can tell me other. I am. This is it. This is worthy of destroying the temple is this right here. This point, this person, this fact, this thing, I'm ready. And Paul's like, go ahead. You can, you can try and destroy God's temple, but the Lord will destroy that person. Verse 21, so then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Here's the ultimate truth. We all belong to God. That's the end of the matter. 
we all belong to God. No matter what side of whatever thing we're on, no matter if you like cake or pie, no matter if you like MJ or LeBron, no matter if you like elephants or donkeys, all are of Christ. Amen? Amen. Here's the thing. Here's, here's my question for you, though. When was the most recent time you were tempted to be disunified with somebody? When was the last time? You know, this week I had a, <laughs> this morning, this, I, had a, I, had a, I had a bad minister week this morning, okay? I got calls from like three parents who all just thought I was doing a bad job this week, okay? They called me and they were like, my son should be baptized already. And I was like, no, he shouldn't, <laughs> right? That is not true. <laughs> Let me tell you why. And they were like, how dare, and it was just going, doing its thing, right? Another parent, the price of prom is too high. I'm like, look at your school's prom, it's higher. Stop playing me. I know what this is. And I'm, this whole week, I'm just fighting these battles. And, I, and in my mind, right, I'm like, these parents, man, golly, I don't like these people. I am ready. I am ready. Surely you parents are not like these parents. Impossible. And yet, in their mind, they were probably like, These, this teen minister, this, this guy has no teens, and yet he wants to talk all crazy about stuff. And here's the truth at the end of the day. We're all of God. We can disagree about whether your son should be baptized or not. That's fine. But we're all of Christ, and Christ is of God. I'm not saying that everyone has to think the same or agree about everything. That's not the point. The point is that when we take it too far, we start tearing apart the church. And that's where Paul steps in. And I got resolved with those parents, so I can make fun of them now, right? And make fun of myself, so we're good. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this whole thing belongs to God. Not to Paul, not to Apollos, not to, not to Peter, not to the Butlers, not even to the Marichis, not to me, no one, right? This whole thing is of God. But for you, when was the most recent time that you were tempted to be disunited? When was the last time that you walked away and said a couple things under your breath? Like, oh, this guy right here, man, I can't wait till he goes. Oh my gosh, I do not like this job. I can't wait till I leave. Oh my gosh, I got married and that might have been a mistake. <laughs> Whatever it is. Don't say you didn't think it. God is our witness. The point, though, is that this belongs to God. And we got to remember that. We have to remember that. So let's keep going. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. This is 1 Corinthians 4, by the way. We have moved chapters. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one, 
a follower of one of us over the other. You see, Paul, at this point in his letter, he's coming after the people who started leading all of these dissenting groups, the people who said, come along with me, I got a better way. And Paul, I mean, if you, if you continue reading this chapter, he just demolishes them, right? He's just super mad at, at, uh, at them and for the people who have followed them, right? So, turn the page here. So now Paul's saying, listen, you guys are so into wisdom, look at where your wisdom has gotten you. You guys are so into wisdom, but the wrong type of wisdom. Because you guys are into human wisdom. And human wisdom, human wisdom does something different than divine wisdom. You see, human wisdom is temporary. It changes, right? What was wise 100, 200, 1,000 years ago is not what is wise today right? But yet, we're reading a book that was written several thousand years ago, and it's still wisdom, because it's divine wisdom, right? right? Human wisdom divides. It separates. It pits people against each other. God's wisdom is peace-loving, as the scriptures say, right? Human wisdom, it can be achieved, but with a certain amount of status, education, like there are barriers of entry, to human wisdom. God's wisdom is available to everyone. Human wisdom puffs up. Human wisdom makes you feel better than the other person. See, God's wisdom is humble, and it, and it, and it opens the door for other people. The Corinthians had become full of human wisdom. The Corinthians had decided that the wisdom that they wanted to invest in is the wisdom that their society valued. Human wisdom. So in their mind, it's like, well, there's a certain status attached with being with Paul or with Peter or with, or with Apollo, so we're gonna fight each other. Well, you know, I think that um, if it's a bad enough issue, we should take each other to court because it doesn't make any sense to, to be abused in that way. And they had started to concoct their own thing. Their own wisdom was at play. And Paul's just sitting here like, it would be better for you to become a fool instead than for your wisdom to divide the church. You would have been better off being the most foolish person in the world than to let your wisdom divide those who love God. And see, Paul, he says, look, the message of the cross is extreme foolishness. That's where you want to be. I mean, think about it. God comes down to earth, and God's like, huh, where do I want to be? I'll be with the poor. I'll hang out with the poor. I won't use any of the perks of being the son of God. Then, then, I'm going to associate with only the people who no one else wants to associate with. Then, then I'm going to let myself get killed. And that's going to be it for me. And everybody's going to turn against me. And that's the way you should follow. Human wisdom says, don't follow that guy. That guy's actually crazy, and you might get into some trouble if you follow that guy. Yet God's wisdom says, that's it. That's the route. And so what Paul's pointing out here is that sometimes our human wisdom gets us messed up. It gets us messed up, and it puts us in the wrong direction. I remember 
when I was first on staff, probably like five years ago, um, we had a meeting at Steve Marici's house. My friend Steve, this is a classic story on staff. We had a meeting, and I, and, and I say Steve's house because Steve texted us, hey, come here, blah, blah, be, be here at what time? And, and I was like, hey, Steve, I'm kind of new here. What's your address? And Steve didn't text me back, right? Can you believe it? He didn't text me back, and I was like, I know, I know. It was really Jackie's house the whole time, right? And so... Steve didn't text me back. He didn't text me back, and I walked in, and I'm just mad. I'm like 22. I know everything that there is to know about everything. And I walk in, and I'm like, Steve, you didn't text me back. And he says, yes, I did. And I said, you're a liar. And that was like a, that was like a record scratch. Everybody was like, what do you say? Who is that guy? What are you, what are you talking to Steve like the, has he, what, is, what is he doing? And Steve was like, take out your phone. I'm like, oh no, take it out. He's like, show me your messages. I show them to him. He's like, I'm gonna show you mine. And he shows me his and he sent the text, but it just didn't go through. And he's like, a text message not going through doesn't make somebody a liar. You better, you better, you have to, you need to come forth with some respect. And I was like, whatever, (laughs) whatever. This guy, this guy, it went just like that. And so then, I was like, ah, this guy, whatever. You see, my, my, my background was that my dad, I'm, my, my parents were both born in Nigeria, right? And so my, and Nigerian parents, to make a generalization, are extremely like rough, hard, you know, this is what you gotta do. If you don't do it, it's disrespect. So I was just coming from a place where, for lack of a better phrase, I just didn't trust older people in my life. I didn't trust it, right? Every time I had a new person come into my life, I was always like, arm's length, I don't trust you, I don't like you. See, my worldly wisdom had it figured out, right? These people, they're gonna come, they're gonna try and tell you what to do, they're gonna, they're gonna, try, they're gonna tell you 80 stories about how it was better back in their day, and you just don't trust them, and you don't, this is how my dad was. I was like, I forget this, I don't like it. Now, me and my dad are extremely close now. Once, I, once we had our kid, I just called, Hey, Dad, I'm super sorry, man. Can you, can, will you take me back? I'm sorry. I made mistakes. Um, but at that time, I was still young and I knew everything, right? So I was like, man, forget this guy. And then more time passes by and I get married. And at the time I got married, my parents and I were just not in a good, in a good place. But at the same time, all of my friends were a little bit older. They were having children. And so when you're around people and their children you realize just how meaningful it is to these people that their children are loved, taken care of, they do anything for their children. And I sat back in my position and I said, why do my parents not love me if if everybody loves their kids? Why are my parents so, my parents didn't show up to my wedding. Like, what, what is this? Why do I not have what everybody else seems to have? And so, but I was feeling this on a morning's drive to a staff meeting. I come to the meeting, we're all sitting down. Steve says, how's everybody doing? He says, DK, you haven't shared. And I said, man, honestly, can I be honest? I'm just feeling like like I I just had the worst luck. Like my family doesn't love me. Everyone else loves their children. I'm not loved. I'm out here all by myself. And at this point, I'm just weeping. And everyone else in the meeting is sitting like you guys. And then I hear this noise and I look up and Steve's in the corner just crying. He's just weeping with me. And he's like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. 
You didn't do anything to deserve this. God still loves you. Listen, and he tells me his story about his family. And at that point, I realized that God's wisdom was so much bigger than the world's wisdom that not trusting people, yes, that was wisdom to some, but that God had something different. God's wisdom is unifying, remember? The world's wisdom says, keep them at arm's length. Distance yourself. Don't trust them. God's, God's wisdom says, lean in. Lean in. And I'll never forget that. From that day on, I was like, I don't trust everybody still, but I'll, I'll trust that man. <laughs> I don't trust everybody, but I'll trust that man. And that's what Paul was trying to talk about with this wisdom thing, is that we got to be willing to, to let go of what we consider wisdom for what God considers wisdom. Last section, verse 14. I am not writing, or I am writing this to shame you. Wait, I am writing this not to shame you, sorry, but to warn you <laughs> as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, once again, this is a reference to all the different leaders of these factions that, had, that have risen up since Paul left. Even if you had 10,000 guardians, leaders in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I, had, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Which do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline? Or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? Obviously, Paul's fired up here, right? Paul's trying to pick a fight in this one, right? But I love this idea of fathers in the faith. I love this idea of Paul urging them to imitate him. I love this idea of Paul saying, so many people have come trying to tell you guys how to live in my absence. But you've got to imitate me. Imitate the gospel. Imitate what I, what I laid forth for you guys over that year and a half. You see, when you... When you start going down the route of worldly wisdom, when you, for another, in another, put another way, when you start to think you know everything, the way that I have thought I know everything so often in my life, it becomes really hard for you to change your opinion, to follow others, to follow the right people in your life, right? It becomes super hard. So I have one last question for you. When was the last time that you've imitated someone else, that you've said that person has it? Let me learn from them. It's not that every single person's right. It's not that we shouldn't be learning from God. That's obviously the most important thing. But it's that the wisdom that comes from God allows us to humble ourselves and learn from the right people. And I believe that any of us can learn from any of us. There's this, there's this 14-year-old kid that, I, that I'm studying the Bible with right now in our teen ministry. His name is Marcus. And Marcus is, he's, 
He's the, I wish there were some teens in here who would be like, yep, Marcus, right? Marcus is great, but he's the kind of kid who's all over the walls, slapping people's necks, doing the most. Like, he, he's that kid, right? One was like, Marcus, sit down. I'm trying to read, right? He's just doing the thing, right? But when I studied with him, I was like, Marcus, man, um, this is towards the very beginning. Do you read your Bible? He's like, yeah, I read my Bible all the time. I'm like, why do you read your Bible every day? And he said, well, Vince told me to read my Bible. Peter told me to read my Bible. You told me to read my Bible. And I really respect you guys, so I did it. So now I do it every day. Now, granted, he hadn't figured out all the nuances and the script, but to him it was just, I really respect these people. And they're doing something that is helping them. I'm going to try that. And when you're all about the worldly wisdom, that's just, you never get there, right? Whenever I'm all about who's wise and who's not and what's this, you just never get to, man, I can learn from somebody else. So I want to encourage us as we look at 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 4 to go after godly wisdom. Godly wisdom allows us to put down our swords and our shields and to embrace the the world around us, to embrace God's temple, the people, not the person, the people, and to live in unity all together. Right now, I'm going to go ahead and pray for the communion. And like I mentioned before, the best example of godly wisdom and the worst example of human wisdom was the cross. Because in the cross, the guy who's supposed to be worshipped lost. He died. He was never to be seen again. Well, he was to be seen again, but they didn't know that. He died. It was over, and everybody went home, and he had no friends when he did it. And at that moment, it was easy to say, man, good thing we didn't follow that guy. But for God, he ended up being lifted up. And he's the author and perfecter of our faith. So let's go ahead and pray and meditate on Jesus. Um, Heavenly Father, uh, we are so grateful to be here today. We're so grateful for each other, for for the whole temple of God. God, we know that at times there are things that just cause us to stare each other down and to fight one another. And those things aren't going to end. But God, we pray that we can be people, even if we never agree, but people who can work together, can love each other. God, we pray that we can go after godly wisdom, your wisdom, not the wisdom of our world, that pits us against one another. Father, I just pray that we can imitate your son, where his kingdom was all about dying, was all about serving, and was all about loving other people. God, thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for all that that means for us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.